Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's all now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports. Today being a Wednesday, that means it's Mailbag Wednesday. Today, October 13th, 2021, NBA training camps are in full swing. By now, you've already seen a few games being played. It will be definitely interesting to see how rookies adjust, to see how some new teams and new players uh, are adjusting to their uh, situations in their new roles, and uh, that is always an interesting thing uh, to watch throughout the course of, of training camp and early in the season. So uh, with that, was going to stay on the topic or the uh, theme of NBA questions that I have received, and we, as usual, we will go three questions, and we will get right into it. So first question comes from Jeff in Orlando, Florida. What was your favorite NBA city? Well, Jeff, uh, I always did enjoy playing in Orlando because I had a career-high game when I was with the Hornets there against the Magic, but unfortunately it was not one of my favorite cities to travel to and play in when I was in the NBA. Uh, Three teams, or sorry, three cities quickly come to mind um, in regards to uh, favorite cities that I would travel to and play. And then there were a couple arenas that that I really enjoyed as well. But for favorite cities, first off was Portland. Um, I had a chance to play for the Blazers twice, but every time I was on a different team and the schedule came out, first thing I did was look for when do I get a play at home against the Blazers in front of friends and in front of family. So uh, that was one. The other one would be New York City. Um, Just the fact that you're going to New York. Uh, I've always enjoyed going to New York. Um, You know, even if it was in the middle of the the NBA season and it was 15, 20 degrees, I would pile on a coat, stocking cap, and go for a walk and just see the city, get into Central Park, go walk around. Um, You know, one of my favorite memories as an NBA player was when I was with the Clippers and we were in on an East Coast road trip and we were in town to play the Knicks and it was Super Bowl Sunday and we had an off day. I think um, we had gotten in uh, the Saturday night before and so we had an off day on Super Bowl Sunday. I went down um, to the New York Athletic Club, got a workout in and by the time I was done with my workout, it was like 10 in the morning and the Super Bowl didn't come on till four or five o'clock in the in the afternoon because it was on the East Coast. So I had the whole day and I, I took the subway all over New York City that day, went down to um, the, you know, the World Trade Center site. And this was when, you know, the, the construction of the, the new tower was just beginning, um, walked all around 
you know, lower Manhattan, went up to Central Park, went around Central Park, it just took the subway any and everywhere, Times Square, um, you know, went and just walked around New York City for a day. So that was really fun. And I always enjoyed and looked forward to being in New York just for that fact, just the energy, the buzz of being in New York City. There was always something to see. Um, I was never a big go out guy, um, you know, but just uh, if you were hungry at 10 o'clock at night, you didn't have to do room service. You could just walk out uh, the hotel and find some place to eat within a block or two. And it was going to be, uh, you know, lively, entertaining. It was going to be a fun uh, time. The other one would be L.A. You know, uh, I did play for the Clippers. I never thought I would like live in L.A. I never wanted to live in L.A. But when I played for the Clippers, I loved living in L.A. Um, but when the schedule would come out, Depending on where you're living, you always think of L.A., nice weather, warm. Um, and I, the fact is I had I had friends that were in L.A., so anytime I came through, uh, we'd get a chance to see them. A couple times got lucky enough that um, Gonzaga was on the same the L.A. trip and so saw them play at least once um, when our schedules coincided. Um, but I think the L.A. trips were always fun for me because one of my best friends from college, Eric Edelstein, who's an actor in L.A., he was just starting to break in um, uh, into his career and, and kind of gain some legs in his career during that time. And he would always pick me up and he had a old Chrysler Sebring that was a convertible that uh, the convertible top didn't always work <laughs> and the door didn't always lock. And so he would roll up uh, to the Marina Del Rey Ritz Carlton where most teams would stay. Uh, and pick me up and, you know, just a big, boisterous, loud, funny, uh, friendly, engaging guy that would, would pick me up at the hotel and, and we'd just go talk about life like we were still in college. We would, you know, go to Jerry's Deli in Marina Del Rey. We would, uh, you know, go drive up to Santa Monica. We would go up on Mulholland Drive and, and just talk about, um, you know, he was chasing his dream as an actor and things were starting to, to point in the right direction. And I was in the NBA enjoying life, uh, you know, living out my dreams. Um, and so that was always a fun trip for me as well. So great question, Jeff. Next question comes from Seth in Nashville. What was the NBA travel like? Well, Seth, I, I, my wife always gives me a hard time about when I would complain about the travel um, in the NBA. Uh, and, I, and I wouldn't complain about the amenities with the travel. I would complain about um, what most people don't understand and realize is the amount of travel and the not necessarily lack of sleep, but the inconsistent sleep um, and, and you know, the, the odd and weird and funny hours that, that you would be traveling at. So, you know, uh, every team, yeah, would have a charter plane. Um, some would have their own their own private plane. So, for example, I was with the Blazers twice. Um, they had two planes, and they went back and forth with which with what plane was going to be used on that particular trip. One of them uh, being Paul Allen's personal. I believe it was a seven thirty seven. Um, we would use that one quite often, and then there was another one. But Paul Allen's private plane, his personal plane absolutely unbelievable i mean you're talking about he had a bedroom in it um with a bed he had a shower and, and it, nobody was nobody was allowed to go in there but 
obviously you walk by the door, it's open. You're like, holy cow, that's that's on a different level. Uh, there was a sitting area where the, the players and most of the coaches would sit and there would be, you know, room for about 20 of us in that area. A uh, couple couches in there, uh, big, large projection screen TV, probably, you know, an 80 inch screen TV with a sound system that, um, you know, a, a lot of restaurants or home theaters would be envious even to this day um, where he had satellite TV and, and he had all these different things on, on his personal plane. Um, so that was, that, that was fun. That was interesting. Dallas had a great, um, you know, their own plane. And, and the fun thing about Dallas and their plane is Mark Cuban would always be on the plane with us flying to flying on our trips, you know, and I remember uh, a couple different times, you know, um, he was in the row behind me. I'd go back and, sit and chat with Mark Cuban. Uh, at the time I was kind of involved with a, a niche company called chip lab, uh, which was a custom poker chip company. And, and with his obvious, um, you know, business acumen and in his, um, tech background, ask him a few questions and, you know, kind of sh shared those on with the, the guys that were running the company. And so, um, you know, that was always fun, but you know, every NBA team, the food on the plane. So you, Essentially, here's how a, a NBA road trip and travel would work. One of two ways. You're, you're leaving from home to start a road trip. And usually, unless you were flying from west to east coast, um, typically you would practice in the morning and then say practice is 10 to 1130 and you had a flight. Uh, they would say, all right, flight leaves at three o'clock. Be at the hangar, the private hangar, because you don't fly out of uh, the normal commercial terminal. You would fly out of the private hangar at three, be there at 245, um, park your car, drop your bags to the front. They take your bags onto the plane as, as normal. And you you go through the, the quick security. And within five minutes of pulling up from your car, uh, in your car, you're now sitting on the plane, <laughs> which is always nice. Um, on that plane before before takeoff, there'd be a spread of food, um, you know, usually healthy options. And then there'd be some candy and junk food for the guys who, who, who didn't watch um, what they ate as closely on your assigned seat. Because usually you would get kind of in a in a regiment of, hey, this is my seat. I usually sit next to this teammate. A um, couple guys a lot of times would play poker once got up in the air. And so that, that would be the table where those guys were. I know, for example, with, with New Orleans and then with Boston, there was a group of us that would always play poker um, once we got up in the air. But um, there would be a menu on on your seat with three or two or three options for once you get up in the air these are these are food options and it would be you know a healthy catered meal from from a local uh, restaurant catering company um and then throughout the flight you know it's no different than a normal flight other than the fact that you have a little bit more space a little bit more, more room you land again you're going to land at a at a private hangar a private terminal not at the the commercial one and you walk off the plane down the and literally take three steps and you're on the bus. Um, you don't mess with your bags. You don't handle your bags or anything. You just ride onto the bus. And as soon as all the players and the coaches usually on the first bus are on, you take off and go to the hotel. The second bus, a lot of times would, would hang behind and it would be um, a lot of your media, um, a lot of the, what they call secondary support staff of, of, of an organization, you know, um, 
usually they would want to get the coaches and, and the players to the hotel as quickly as possible. Uh, many teams, if they traveled with a ton of equipment, a ton of gear, would then also have like a U-Haul truck rented right there to load up all the bags and gear and take it to the hotel as well. Um, so you get to the hotel, you don't check in like a normal hotel. There would be a desk in the lobby and your name would be on a uh, on an envelope you grab your envelope that's your keys in there it's usually your your team itinerary for the next day so you know what time practice is and you're off on your way uh, up to your room and, and you're done with your travel experience for for the day um, and with that most teams would have uh, an equipment manager or the bell staff of the hotel they would deliver the bags to all the rooms um, uh, for the players uh, on occasion, there would be a, a time where, you know, the hotel wasn't staffed um, and you would have to go back down to the lobby and get your bag. But that was very rarely the case. The difference would be would be if it was a late night trip. So say you, you're on the road and um, usually you would fly out after the game to the next city. So game seven o'clock tip, game's over at 915. Um, you're usually pulling out of the arena an hour after, after tip because you got media responsibilities, you got post-game rehab. Uh, every time, you know, most players in most cities, you get passes. You have the chance to leave passes for friends, family, whoever, um, to be able to talk to after the game in, in the tunnel uh, underneath the, in the arena back by the locker room. So you get a chance to go out and see anybody that you maybe left tickets for that night. And, and, and then about an hour after the game, usually load up the bus, go directly to the airport and fly to the next city. And the process exactly as I described it would be repeated. Um, the hard ones would be, um, when you're a six games in nine nights, trip and you've got Miami and you've got Charlotte and you got Boston, New York, New Jersey at the time, which is now Brooklyn. You got to pack for all these different climates and different weathers. And I know it sounds like I'm complaining, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it was not easy or fun to pack pack for. It was not, uh, it was not as easy uh, landing at 1 AM in the morning. And you know, if you weren't hungry on the plane, but now you get to the, your hotel room at one one fifteen. You're hungry all of a sudden. Um, you know, it, it sounds like I'm complaining a little bit, uh, but there you're taking class. You're taking care of in a first class manner with the travel, but it is a little more difficult than a lot of people realize um, with that. And a lot of it is because it's so much travel and it's odd hours travel. So, good question, Seth. Last question, Brian in Minneapolis asks, did you ever play a Christmas day game while in the NBA? Uh, no, I did not. And growing up as a kid, um, I remember when it was CBS at the time, Dick Stockton and, and Tommy Heinsohn were, were the main broadcasters. And there was one Christmas day game. Usually it was the, the Celtics, or maybe it was the Bulls when, when Jordan really started coming into, you know, being the face of the league. And with that, then a couple of years later, it became two games. And so as a kid growing up with a dream and a goal to play in the NBA, I always wanted to play in uh, on Christmas Day. As soon as I got to the league um, and I, I was at a point in the league where I had family and I had kids especially, I wanted no part to do with a Christmas Day game. I wanted to be home with my kids. 
I wanted to enjoy Christmas morning with with, uh, with my kids and my family. Um, so it was kind of, it, it was a disappointment in a way because I wasn't on a, any teams that were good enough uh, to play on Christmas Day. Um, but it was also good because I didn't have to leave, you know, say on Christmas Eve and, and miss my family. Uh, there were a couple times that I did have to travel on Christmas Day um, and leave just because of how the schedule broke out. But uh, I was lucky enough that every day or every Christmas morning I was there with my family. So uh, great questions. Appreciate it. Again, if you've got other questions every Wednesday on the ISO, it is a mailbag episode where I answer three questions. Uh, feel free to ask whatever uh, about broadcasting career, about playing career, what my thoughts might be on, on um, a current event in the world of sports. So thanks again for joining. Click that subscribe button, like, and also send us a review. Take care. Have a great day. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.